Now back to the film at the heart of the current wave of anti-American protests in the Mideast. There's still a lot we don't know about the man who produced it or what he hoped to accomplish. But we do know a little about how this movie went from obscurity to lightning rod via the Internet. Zainab Tufekshi is a visiting scholar at Princeton University Center for Information Technology Policy. She says a trailer for the film was posted online in July and was initially ignored for the most part. In September, it was picked up by a few bloggers in Egypt, and it was then picked up by Egyptian television stations, which played it again and again and gave it great prominence, partly because these were television stations using it to make a political point. And it was at, only after it was picked up by broadcast media, it came to the attention of the millions of people and became the clashing point that it has. Right. And as we just heard uh, from the protests in Sanaa, no one uh, that the reporter spoke to had actually seen it. So in a way, it doesn't even matter what's on it, just the fact that it exists. Have we seen this pattern of social media distribution, protest and reaction before? Absolutely. This is not the first time, nor is it the last time. We had the controversy over the cartoons in a Danish newspaper that, that in 2006 that resulted in a lot of protests. And a lot of people have forgotten that there was an incident in 2007 in northern Iraq where two Yazidi towns were car bombed in response to another YouTube video which showed uh, the horrific stoning death of a Yazidi girl who had supposedly ran away with a Sunni boy and the video was posted on YouTube. There's still a big disconnect here. I mean, no matter where the film came from or how it came to be, this this is a free speech issue for many. And I'm not just talking about here in the U.S. and the Arab world, too. And for others, it's seen as a hate crime. So tell us, you're in constant touch with a lot of Egyptians. Why is it seen so differently by two different cultures? This isn't just a clash between United States, say, and the Middle East. This is also a big difference between the United States and Europe. For example, in Europe, there are many laws that criminalize denying or having a revisionist history of a genocide, especially the Nazi Holocaust, and people have been sent to jail for that. I think one big clash is why the, such a video has no government attention in the United States, which for us is normal because the U.S. had the First Amendment for a couple hundred years. We're kind of used to this. This is just the way it goes. Whereas especially in the Middle East, if you remember, these people overthrew you know, Mubarak just a year ago. They lived in a very, very stifled public sphere environment. Such a great value, as you pointed out, is placed on free speech in the U.S. But, but the Internet is not you know, our father's medium. It, it burns like gasoline. What are your thoughts on some kind of regulation with this technology? Rather than looking at restrictions on speech, I think there's great value in looking at how we design these sites, how we communicate with people in other countries, and whether we can open up channels of dialogue so that people from the United States can explain to Egyptians about the First Amendment. And the fact that there's an offensive video doesn't mean that either the U.S. government or majority of American people have anything to do with it or any kind of approval of it. I'm not sure that trying to restrict speech is either effective or possible mm. at this point. The genie's out of the bottle. The content is going to find its way around. And I think the people who like to create these hateful videos and the people who use it as a pretext as violence are actually not in clash. They're in a nice, mutually reinforcing, symbiotic relationship that they found each other's audience. They're both getting what they want out of it. I think it's up to the rest of the world. It's up to citizens. It's up to media to create channels of conversation so that the impact of such provocations 
is less. And I personally believe that we should just get used to the fact that there will be people who will say things we do not like. And this culture of free speech and getting used to dealing with offensive speech is going to hopefully spread to a lot of other places in the world too as more and more of these cycles happen. In fact, I'm seeing these discussions play out in the Middle East and North Africa and other countries as Muslims around the world are questioning why don't we just ignore these things. Zainab Tufekci, visiting scholar at Princeton University Center for Information Technology Policy. Thanks very much. Great talking to you as usual. Our coverage continues online. The world's language editor, Patrick Cox, asks, should Americans limit their speech for the sake of the Arab Spring? You can find that blog post at theworld.org.